Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We support our local team and our local brewery, Phantom Brewery, and they've decided to support us back and you guys by offering a 10% off code EPR10 when used on their website, phantombrew.com will get you 10% off anything you order this season. That code again, EPR10. Lafondra looking to get cold side of Fon. Lafondra away from David. 3-1 running. Three points running. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the first post-Christmas edition of the Elm Park Rules preview podcast, previewing not one, but two rather scary-looking away games on the road. Uh, First of all, um, we're uh, facing off against a newly managerless Norwich City tomorrow night at uh, Carrow Road. Uh, So to say, we haven't had the happiest of times against Norwich City in recent times, but it's, it's all is fair in love and war because Norwich aren't having that much better of a time at the moment either. And uh, the man of the moment here to talk us through all of the, the various woes that the Canaries yeah. have been going through is good old Rob Butler from BBC Radio Norfolk. Good evening, Rob. Good evening, Jacob. Thanks for asking me to come on. Uh, no, it's, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, Paul has been in touch to say that... Uh, Rob is top class and a Radio Norfolk legend, so uh, you've uh, you, you're you're very highly reviewed coming on. <laughs> he must have got that Christmas present I sent him then. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he's been known to accept bribes. So uh, <laughs> the uh, the big big news as far as Norwich are concerned, coming into this one, is that after a, a torrid run in which you only won three of I think thirteen league games. Uh, Dean Smith has finally been given his marching orders and um, having a scroll down the Norwich Twitter feed, um, it's sort of like mixed feelings, really, because I think there were some people that were willing to sort of defend Dean Smith right up until the last and uh, some that are quite pleased to see the team be sort of given a a, a fresh chance at at doing something this season. So where are you on this spectrum, Rob? Like, Were you disappointed to see Dean Smith go or uh, was it about time? It's difficult to say because, you know, I, I think 
I obviously host the, the post-match phone in for Norwich City. So obviously, you know, we, we get lots of varying opinions. But but really, in the last few weeks, it's been very much Dean Smith out. That's what we've got. And I can totally understand why Norwich fans have said that because, you know, the, the, the statistics speak for themselves. I mean, Dean Smith is well known for kind of talking about expected goals, which lots of managers like doing now and, and, and various possession statistics and what have you. But the bottom line is Norwich haven't won enough games this season. Lots of fans from other clubs are looking in and going, hang on a minute, you, you're in the playoff picture. You know, you, you, what are you doing? Why do you want your manager out? But you have to remember that, you know, I think it's what, 15 months now that he was um, in charge at Norwich City. That included a very dismal end to the season in the Premier League, where obviously Norwich relegated. And they they started really badly in the Championship this season. But, you know, th- th- there was a kind of decent run that's that's kind of held them up in the, that, that decent position in the league. But Norwich fans expect a bit more, really. You know, the, the squad we've got, you know, I think most Championship fans would look at the Norwich squad and say, God, I'll take most of them for our team. I think that's, that's not arrogant to say. I think it's true. So Norwich should be doing better. But the, the league position isn't everything. The, the, what, what the problem Norwich had was is just the way they're playing. It just wasn't particularly inspiring. It wasn't very forward thinking. It was a lot of kind of slow, patient build up, which, you know, is, is all very well, you know, when when there's something at the end of it. But it, it tended to be quite negative, really. Um Dean Smith definitely wanted his team to play football. It was it was passing. It wasn't just lumping it forward. But compared to what we were used to in the championship under Daniel Farker, which was a completely different kettle of fish, mm. it was patient play that had a payoff. You know, there would be a, a chance created. There would be, you know, more, more often than not a goal at the end of it. So, you know, that's where Norwich fans are at. The right decision has been made, I think, because the toxicity had set in, you know, and, and we, we were at Luton on Boxing Day and, and it was just quite nasty, really. There was... Yeah shoving amongst Norwich fans who were disagreeing with each other you know that the, the team lost to 10 men you know despite um you know having lots of chances to win the game they ended up actually losing it to 10 men so it, you know I, I would never it, it's difficult for me as a BBC presenter to, to be you know to one way or the other mm. but I think it's fair to say the right decision has been made for the sake of of everyone really including Dean Smith and his family who He'd already talked about the fact he was getting quite, you know, quite a lot of abuse and no yeah. one wants to see that, do they? No. And the minute it starts to turn like that in the stands, like from experience as a Reading fan, there's no real way back from that. And um, nobody, especially at Christmas time, likes to see unsavoury scenes like that. And um, a couple of Norwich fans that I was speaking to before recording this preview, actually, were saying it's kind of got to the point where it's upset them enough that they don't really want to, be, be sort of like talking about it and it's it's a shame because like whereas it's kind of an opportunity now looking forward to to do what the owners have, have come out and said they want to achieve I think it, your your director of football is I'm just going to get this right Stuart, um, Stuart Weber that's right yeah. and and he's talked about how they still want to achieve the objective of, of getting out of the league again and you know for for a team that was sitting top of the table you know as recently as first of October I mean, it's, it's a testament to just how strange the league has been this season. The fact that Reading and Norwich are only separated by three points. And, you know, we're somehow having had as terrible an away record as we have. I think only Huddersfield have got a worse away record than us. We're, we're somehow eighth. And yet the fall off from you guys has not been so severe that it's season ending. So, you know, you, you think with a, with a bit more momentum and a fresh start, um, Rob, do, do you reckon it's salvageable from here? I mean... I think it's salvageable to get in the playoffs. I, I I can't. I mean, Sheffield United and Burnley are flying, aren't they? And and they're both, 
you know, teams that we've we've played and and you know not beaten. Let's be honest, you know. So it's not, it's it, it's it's salvageable in that we can get in the playoffs. I think, but I don't think Norwich are going to get automatic promotion, which was obviously the aim. You know, as you said, the sporting director Stuart Weber has, has said in his kind of goodbye statement to Dean Smith that, that the club very still much thinks that they can get promoted, which is obviously the target. But I think Norwich fans are in a difficult position because they're kind of saying, well, hang on a minute. We've done it twice under this regime with Daniel Farker and it was we just nosedived straight away and came straight back down. You know, Norwich are, are seen by some fans a bit of a joke, really, in the Premier League and I, and I can sort of understand it. You know, got, they make, by all accounts, no, no real fist of staying up. So if Norwich did miraculously win the playoffs, you know, which which is a long way off, believe you me, but it, it could happen, then where are we? We're back in the, in the Premier League with, you know, a, a squad that would need, a, again, a massive overhaul to stay up. There's no money. Um, you know, Delia Smith and Michael and jones are still the majority shareholders and the club call themselves self-funded, which means they have to sell players to, to bring money in to, to buy new ones. There is a kind of spectre hanging over, you know, and I would say a positive spectre in that there's a, a an American businessman who's on the board, uh, Mark Atanasio, who uh, he owns a, a baseball club in, in the, the Major League Baseball um, you know, over in America and he's come on the board and been over and we've spoke to him on BBC Radio Norfolk and, you know, he's done a bit of media and he says all the right things and obviously he's got a bit of money um, and that's sort of exciting for Norwich fans, but there's no immediate indication that he's going to take over. You you would mm. imagine that might be on the cards at some point, but, that, you know, the, the point is, is that, yeah, Norwich fans want us to go up because they want us to be playing in the Premier League against Erling Haaland and, you know, Mo Salah, but, they're going to smash us if we get up again. Yeah. So it, it's a bit of a catch-22. We haven't got that kind of, um, you know, exuberance that perhaps Reading fans would have to get to the Premier League. <laughs> it's been a little while for you, and you might think, well, we'd, we'd like to give it another go. But Norwich fans have done it twice in the last few years. Mm. And let's be honest, didn't really enjoy it, if I'm, if I'm completely honest. It's great playing the proper teams and the big teams, but if you're going to get smashed every week by the likes of, you know, even, you know, Wolves, then, you know, yeah. it's, it's not that great, is it really? No, and it's funny, as a neutral watching the Premier League last season, I, I was listening to um, the chap, oh, I'm going to forget his name now, Michael from The Athletic, he reports Michael on Bailey, yeah. that's Michael the Bailey. one, yeah. and uh, he was saying how, you know, sometimes the, the, the Norwich fans are like, well, you know, we enjoy ourselves more in the Championship, and, you know, there, there's a such thing I know as, you know, getting promoted too early, as mm. has happened with Reading most recently, I, I would argue that the the squad that we had in the championship was almost better than the one we ended up with in the Premier League, you know, looking at a decade ago. But I, th I can imagine it's pretty demoralising to have to go through the yo-yo every year or so and and be left thinking, well, hang on, we've got on paper the players we've got are possibly, you know, not too good for the championship. But if you look down and you see that, you know, Josh Sargent has scored nine goals this campaign and didn't really have that much of an impact in the Premier League. It's about bridging that gap, isn't it? And I suppose whoever comes in now has to get the most out of the players you've got on the roster at the moment. And, and you have got excellent players looking down the list, you know, the likes of Sargent, Grant Hanley, who's as good a centre-back as you're going to get in the Championship, Timmy Puki, who's obviously out of contract this this coming season. It's about, you know, finding a way of, of taking that next step. And that's the challenge, isn't it, Rob? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, things have, something's got to change with Norwich. I mean, look, we, let's, let's be honest, we can't be too sniffy because 
lots of clubs and lots of fans of lots of clubs would take that being in the Premier League every so often and then coming down again. And, you know, same, same as Reading have done that as well. But, you know, th- th- this is where we're at. And everyone, you know, everyone kind of judges things on, on where they see their team. And, you know, we see really Norwich City as a top of the championship team slash maybe, you know, bottom six of the Premier League in, in, in historic, you know, league tables. I, I think most other fans would see Norwich as sort of a, top championship team which is fair enough but but as football fans you're always looking you're always thinking you're bigger than you, you perhaps are and you always think you're better than you are so yeah it's it's, it's the the new manager that comes in has obviously got a big job on their hands but who whoever it is you know would look at this and say all right yeah they might not have a lot of money but there's there's potential coming mm-hmm. with Mark Atanasio as I mentioned and also as you said yourself I mean it is a decent squad I'm 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 not going to go over the top and say you know some Norwich fans think it's a brilliant squad and it's fantastic I, I think a lot of the the players that did so well for us you know um a couple of years ago when we won the two titles you know you know in in kind of went up came down won it again you know etc I think a lot of those players are older they're not quite as good as they were. And there's an Emmy Buendia-sized hole as well in that team. Yes, that was a massive player for us, Emmy. Absolutely mm-hmm. gigantic. You know, one of our best ever footballers that we've had at the club. And he linked up so well with Tamu Puki. You know, it was it was, it was, was a completely different ball game without him. So that's yeah. a big that's a big loss. But you're right, Josh Sargent's come in and, and he didn't really do a lot in the Premier League, but he's, he's our top scorer now. So, you know, he's done mm-hmm. the business. He's been at the World Cup, did all right there. Um, Hanley, I agree with brilliant defender, brilliant leader as well. You've got Angus Gunn, the goalkeeper, he's really good, you know, and obviously Tim Crawls on the bench, another good goalkeeper. So that there's lots of depth there. Ben Gibson was 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 getting an England call up not that, that long ago, you know, when he was at Burnley and Middlesbrough and places like that. So, you know, that there's definitely some talent there, but I think it genuinely is just that management that needs to come in and sort them out and just make them feel a bit more positive about themselves and make them love themselves a bit more because they just they just didn't look like they believed in themselves in the mm. last few months. And that's the problem there. You know, so, someone like Paul Ince, who, you know, he can walk in a dressing room and kind of, you know, wh- whatever you think of him, it's Paul yeah. Ince, you know, and, yeah. and whatever you think of the job he's doing, it's Paul Ince. He, he was, mm. He's one of the greatest footballers England's ever had, in my opinion. I think he was an absolute hero, you know. So he can walk in a dressing room and kind of people puff their chests out. Yeah. But with Norwich, I mean, you know, Dean Smith, brilliant bloke, really good guy done a great job over the years at various different clubs but I don't think you know he's perhaps got that element of real impress you know mm. impressive kind of experience with what he's done in the game that the players are really going to sit up and take notes they just need someone to walk in there and, and make them believe in the project I think that's the problem we've had yeah and the manager sets the tone and it, you know it, it really just trickles down from there and, and you mentioned about Paul Ince um he was um very complimentary about Dean Smith and his pretty much presser for this one and he was mooting the idea of um <laughs> in the in this in the same way that there is a transfer window for players he reckons and it's you know a fanciful thinking he reckons there should be a transfer window for managers yeah. uh, and that this came about um because um he would it was brought up to him how even though Paul Ince has hardly been in the door at Reading he is somehow in the top seven most uh longest serving managers in the division now which yeah. is unbelievable but um, it, it just goes to show, like you say, I mean, with Ince, Ince is someone that when he came in was ridiculed by Reading fans for the pan being out of the game for eight years and seen as a bit old school. But the, like you say, the players love him because, you know, they respect what he's done in the game and he's a bit sort of down to a no-nonsense. And, mm. you know, talking about the man who's going to be in the dugout for Norwich this weekend, um, it, it, it's, uh, <laughs> it doesn't take a lot 
um, to rub Reading fans up the wrong way because we're a sensitive bunch and any Reading fan will tell you that. But it really made me giggle today seeing how uh, Alan Russell, who is yes. uh, in, in interim charge, isn't he, or temporary charge yeah. for this one, um, I think the exact quote was, uh, we're Norwich City, we shouldn't be fearing teams like Reading with all due yeah. respect. And uh, there's an account that does the whole uh, teams like Reading uh, klaxon whenever that's uh, that's mentioned. But I think that's that's Paul Lintz's team talk done for him, isn't oh, it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And the fans will be up for this because of that. But, you know, to be fair to Alan Russell, and, and I've got, you know, I've, I've, that's the first time, you know, I've ever been in a press conference with him. You know, it's the first time we've interviewed him today. You know, he, he's been at the club for a while. He's been the set-piece coach. He was formerly with England as the kind of attacking coach. But that's the first time he's ever spoken in a Norwich press conference scenario. Why would he before that today? You know, yeah. you don't speak to the set-piece coach. But I, I honestly think it was to kind of be a little bit different to Dean Smith because Dean Smith, he just didn't connect with the fans. I think that's mm. fair to say. And I don't think he, he obviously used to say, oh, fans are important, blah, blah, blah. But I think Alan Russell has just kind of realised that Norwich fans like Reading are a sensitive bunch. I think it's a, a common thing with most football fans. To yeah. <laughs> we love to hear people say how great we are. We love to hear managers say, oh, we're, you're going to run through walls for those fans. We're going to be wear the shirt with pride and blah, 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 all that old business. And he's done it because he just wanted to get a bit of a reaction. And he's obviously going to do it in his team talk as well. He's working alongside Steve Weaver, who's another mm. long-standing coach who's, who's having this caretaker uh, role at the club. So I understand that Reading fans are going to... But I think most Reading fans will be wise enough to know it's it's what we would call in professional wrestling a cheap pop. It's just a way yes. of getting... It's just a way of getting the fans to to kind of be excited and, and, and go, oh, that's great. And then it's a way to the opposition fans to go, oh, what's he saying? And get a few boos. And so, yeah, I understand why he did it. It's I've, I've clipped it out from a little bit I put out on Twitter. I know lots <laughs> of other places have as well. And it's just... I said on my tweet, it's just what fans like to hear. So I can understand why he's done it, but... Like, like you say, if Reading come to Carrow Road and win tomorrow night, then, mm. yeah, that would have been pinned up in the dressing room, I think. Yeah, totally. And and it is uh, maybe at the back end of pantomime season, but it's certainly, fans love that oh, kind yeah. of thing, you we know. It's, it's... And, and you love to hate it as well as the away fans. Yeah. <laughs> and as an away team, I mean, I would say that most Reading fans, certainly the ones that are making the trek up to, to Norfolk tomorrow, um, are kind of dreading this one because, you know, you're going to have the new manager bounce or, you know, interim manager bounce and, and it's funny, it's kind of reminiscent of the game we've just had against Swansea because both teams come into this identical in terms of points. Reading and Norwich are both sitting on 35 points at the time of recording. And um, whereas when we played Swansea, Reading had only won one game against Swansea out of 22 in all competitions or something silly like that. Uh, similarly, Norwich are unbeaten against Reading in their last eight so it's it's all for us to do, really. And, and all of our games recently, we, neither team ever, ever, ever keeps a clean sheet. It's been a collection of two ones and three twos. So I don't know which way this is going to go, Rob. I, I don't know if you've got any, be any better idea than me, but I expect there probably will be goals. Um, yeah. I'm probably going to be optimistic and say it's going to be a high-scoring two-all draw, but do you have any advance on that? Well... I remember the game um, down at your place, and it, it was pretty dull, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Not a lot happened, so uh, let's let's go for let's go for something a bit more exciting. Than that I mean, the the, om the bad omen for your lot, Jacob, is that um, I don't you probably well, you, I'd say you won't remember this. Of course, you will. Twenty seventeen, eighth of April, um, Norwich played Reading with when we had a caretaker manager, Alan. Uh. Alan. 
Yes, yeah. And French won 7-1. It was a bit of a <laughs> But um, lots of people have mentioned that because obviously it's Reading and it's a caretaker manager at Norwich. So, mm. yeah, I don't think it's going to be that. I don't think it's going to be that good. I am, if I was a Reading fan, well, let me put it this way. As a Norwich fan, I do feel as if the, this set of players are, are, are going to be annoyingly good to, tomorrow night and are going to mm. go, well, this is what we can do when, when you know, the, the shackles are off, if you like, because Alan Russell, aside from baiting Reading, kind of talked about the fact that he likes attacking football. You know, he was a striker and he wants to see people running in behind and all that. So I, I would worry a little bit. Um, mm. However... It could be that Norwich just carry on being rubbish, which is what they've been, you know, on the whole, you know, for the last couple of months or before the the break as well. So you're trying to push me on a prediction. I'm not very good at predictions. Neither am I. Let's go for a draw. I mean, I'll just say a draw because I think that could cancel each other out. We'll 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 try and be too attacking. You'll you'll kind of be a little bit more cautious because you're seeing Mm. it as a tough away game. So let's say we'll cancel each other out. But I I think it's um it's put it this way, Norwich aren't that great. And that that's all I'll say. I mean, I know you look at the league table, you know, what are you moaning about? And that's what a lot mm. of fans say. But they really haven't been great. And my only worry for Reading would be that that's because of the manager. So yeah. if you've got a new a new kind of like new broom, if you like, who's going to come in and say, right, lads, just go and express yourself, you know, then it might work for us tomorrow night, but mm. it might not. So I'm, I'm really, I, I would say a draw because a score draw like you. Yeah, we're talking to West Brom fans after the break to preview our first game of the 2023. And uh, last time we played them, they'd, they'd just come off the back of eight games without a win. They put a caretaker manager in charge and, and beat his uh, 2-0 at home. So, you know, it, it might just happen. But yeah, you know what? The, the good news is I've not got a score prediction right this season on the Unpacked Rules preview podcast. So <laughs> we'll just have to see. But that's why I don't do him, Jacob. But... I don't do him because for that reason, because then you just don't open yourself up. But you know, it's 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 always interesting, isn't it? What what people think. But exactly. I think score draw. I think you're quite safe on that one. I, I really do. Two two. You're saying I'll go with that as well. Then. Yeah. The minute I start to have any sort of consistency with my score predictions, I'm going to quit being a podcast host and yeah. uh, like put in my CV for the Mystic Mag column. In, um, <laughs> but but um, in the meantime, I, I guess the only thing that's left to do, Rob, is just thank you so much for coming on. Um, the voice of BBC Radio Norfolk. Um, from, from one BBC local uh, fella to another, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. So uh, enjoy the game and uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. Appreciate it, and thanks for for asking me to come on, Jacob. And good luck to the Royals. And what we always say in football is good luck tomorrow, good luck for the season, but not tomorrow night. Yes, tomorrow. That's always what yeah. we have to say, isn't Indeed. it? Indeed. And uh, yeah, and the next time you mention that seven-one under Alan Irvine, we won't be inviting you back again. But uh, it's, it's funny that season we only seem to lose by like seven, six, or five goals. Understand? We still finished third. So it's a funny old game. Uh, just be- just before the break, just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors at Phantom Brewing Co. Uh, you can go on their Twitter to see all their uh, festive opening hours. I mean, I hope you've managed to get through your uh, pile of leftovers by now, all those listening at home. But after the break, we're going to be speaking to Elias Burke, who is the West Brom reporter for The Athletic. Uh, So uh, we're looking a little further forward in time. Thanks for listening and uh, see you after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back. 
after the break, we are hurtling through this Elmbart Rules preview pod at speed because forget about Norwich City, who we heard from in the first half. They're gone. They're ancient history. Because now uh, I'm delighted to be joined by an international, international, uh, national journalist <laughs> of um, considerable repute. Don't ever let it be said that we lack ambition on this modest podcast because we've got Elias Burke from The Athletic to talk to us about all things West Bromwich Albion. Good afternoon, Elias. Thank you for, for having me on, Jacob. And might I just say, I probably am international, actually. <laughs> the Athletic got a big global subscriber base, all people That's from it. around the world reading my stuff. Um, so, yeah, yeah, super international journalist. You, you, so you've done really well to get me on as well. In- international man of mystery. I mean, uh, <laughs> usually we're relegated to the usual suspects from the Reading Chronicle and uh, the Reading Post. So this is a, a big step up for us. So uh, thank you for... Thank you for blessing us with your presence. Um, no, privilege it, to be on. Thank you. It's uh, especially because I've been I've been pestering you for a little while, and I think the last the first time I ever came across you was uh, I think the lot over at TIFO on YouTube had kidnapped you for a uh, Derby County <laughs> video, and I thought to myself, there is a man that we need to get on Elm Park Royals. So here he is. Oh, um, uh, thank you. We we better start off by talking about how West Brom are in scintillating form, as uh, the pundits would say. Uh, six wins in your last seven going into Preston, who you guys are playing today at eight o'clock. Um, and, you know, barring an absolute catastrophe now against Preston tonight, I mean, you guys, the, the, the days of the baggies propping up the championship table seems to be firmly behind us because you're up to 14th as we speak. After today, I mean, you could go up to as high as, you know, playoff positions given how mad the league is at the moment. And, you know, other than the manager who's changed, what's behind that in that, that uptick in form, Elias? Because you, you guys have got it good at the moment. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously the big one is the manager. Um, obviously, he's coming to the club and, you know, Albin had won two, point, two wins, two matches, sorry, up until that point. Uh, one of them, obviously, against Reading, came out of, completely out of nowhere, away from home. Nobody expected that one. And then earlier on in the season as well. Um, so, yeah, Bruce went. Um, after trying his best, um, but just kind of not getting everything, anything really kind of ticking and the players weren't really responding to him um, tactically, perhaps not someone that is any more kind of, I don't know, right for the modern game, you might say. Uh, really nice bloke and, you know, was great with us in the, in the media and stuff, but perhaps the kind of competing at the championship, at the top end of the championship st- table now is maybe a bit beyond him. Um, and then interim manager and it didn't go so well there. Obviously picked up that win against Reading, but then Corbran has come in now and the revolution has completely started. I mean, players just look completely different to as they did, you know, two months ago. Uh, just confident, you know, structured, tactically smart, innovative, you know, getting a tune out of all the players, responding to his methods, whether that be tactical or just kind of the man management style. Have a lot of the older players and even the younger players have really responded to also. So it's just a complete revolution in terms of the way that the club's thinking on the pitch at the moment. Um, yeah, everything seems to be going well. And I mean, playoffs now seem more like you know, it's quite ridiculous considering the team is still 14th in the championship and were only at the start of November bottom of the championship. But playoffs now almost feel more expectant than, than wishful. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the kind of trajectory that the team is on at the moment just seems like uh you know it's a privilege to watch them sometimes because they've been so good yeah I mean on the pitch it's it's all going right because you know players who 
weren't performing for whatever reason under Bruce. I mean, we had Chris Hall on um, back in October, um, Baggies fan, mentioning that there are a couple of instances of square pegs in round holes and, you know, the system not really being right for them. And, and you know, in terms of the managerial search, I mean, Ron Gourlay, who was responsible really for, for leading part of that search, seems to have got it right with, with Corbran. I mean, it, I think... Reading having had one of the best home records in, in the league up until the point we played you last. You know, the fact that we lost to West Brom, it felt like one of those games we were always gonna gonna lose and playing you at the wrong time. But um you, it, the fact that you're up to fourteenth in such, you know, a brief spell of time, I mean it, it really does bode well. And the playoff push isn't out of the question, especially when you've got players who are performing now like John Swift, a, a face that's familiar to Reading fans. I mean, we lost him to you guys on a free transfer in the summer. Uh, he's up to, I think, three goals and four assists for the season now. I mean, are you starting to see the real John Swift, if you like? Yeah, I mean, just this kind of turnaround in his performances of late have just been completely... I mean, he started the season in decent form under Bruce. He kind of, like as you say, a square peg in a round hole. The, the club didn't really know how they were playing. I mean, under Bruce, it was a bit kind of tactically just jumbled a little bit. And sometimes he'd drop back and sometimes he'd play in the ten obviously he did so much at Reading and to be honest in terms of positionally it hasn't been that different under Corberan I mean he's played a bit deeper on occasion he primarily plays in the 10 but it's absolutely you can tell that he's a really key player under Corberan Corberan believes in him a lot um he's I think he's played almost every game um from from Corberan's first to now he's even played out on the left a little bit as well just kind of fitting him in wherever he can possibly do. But his role's always similar. He's always involved in the build-up, picking passes. You know, regardless of where he plays, he's got a similar kind of role. Um, and he's, his numbers have picked up recently as well. He's got a couple more assists and a couple more goals. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's just kind of one, of one of several players that have really turned it up in the past few weeks. Um, John Swift is, obviously, he's got such great quality. He came from Chelsea where he was a big academy prospect there and he did so well at Reading um, and it seems like he's kind of carrying over he's growing into it a little bit I mean it hasn't been a complete whirlwind of a start you know compared to someone like Jed Wallace his friend who's I think he's from Reading his name is always mentioned because you know it's either players that used to play for Reading or were born in Reading always yeah. seem to come back to Haunters yeah you're spot on <laughs> well yeah so he's I mean Reading born Wallace has been the kind of revelation uh, but I mean, Swift has kind of grown into it a little bit more and you can tell his, his quality, some of the passes that he does and some of the touches you can see. Yeah, you can, and there's absolutely makes all the sense in the world why he's one of the most tracked and in-demand free agent prospects this summer. And Albin did really well to get him so early on in the window. Um, yeah, he's really kind of growing into everything right now. Yeah, I mean, looking ahead to the Reading game, first fixture of the year for Reading and West Brom. It must be strange to be previewing this fixture before you guys have, have played Preston. But if you were to identify a player other than Swift, I know we've mentioned Jed Wallace, who's having a, a good season by all accounts. I think four goals, five assists. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm enviously looking down your squad list as we speak. And OK, Yukoshlu is obviously a player of quality for you guys. Uh, Grady Dean Garner's popping up with goals and assists again this season. I mean, Elias, if you, if you were to identify a player that Reading fans should be most worried about for the 2nd of January, uh, who's it going to be? I think if you, if I was to say most worried, it's probably one of the, probably Wallace. I mean, he's just in scintillating form at the moment. But if you talk about a player that will really kind of propel Albion to victories, okay, Gusley, 
Um, I mean, in recent weeks, he has been a star turned um, under Corberan. I mean, he's, he's touched on it previously about how, um, you know, under Bruce, perhaps, it, perhaps he didn't have the kind of uh, specific man-to-man individual instructions that he had in where he played previously in Spain or in Turkey. And he kind of got lost in the pitch sometimes. It sometimes looked as if, you know, he was kind of just lampooned in the middle of the pitch, not really knowing what his role was, not really having any support. But under Corbran, his role is very set and defined. Um, he's, you know, he's spoken very complimentary about Corbran's methods. Um, and you can really tell. I mean, he's been completely just dominant in the middle of midfield. He looks like the player that Albion signed on loan in the Premier League a couple of seasons ago and really impressed. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, if, the, if there's a player to kind of put Albion on the right track, win tackles in midfield, play smart passes, link up with those players like Wallace and Swift that we mentioned previously, um, it's definitely Akai because, yeah, as I say, he's just in great, great form at the moment. A midfielder like that can really set the tone for the rest of the team. And like, even though running a ticking long fine this season, you know, as, as many wins as losses, uh, 11 wins and 11 losses, you know, occasionally in the midfield this season, we just kind of lack a player like you, Costley, who, who can just be a bit of a general. And, um, yeah, very, very envious looks from Berkshire over, over in the Midlands at him. So uh, so that's on the pitch. I mean, it's, it's shaping up to be, you know, a, a good game. I mean, you, you're coming up against... You know, a team that at home, like sorry, on the road, running a rubbish, <laughs> and you guys are in good form. So, you know, it's it's looking good as far as West Brom there. But off the pitch, I know in recent times we've had uh, Chris Levkovsky on, um, Chris Hall on the pod, um, the, the two Chris's. <laughs> um, and the first time I spoke to uh, Chris Levkovsky, he was saying, "Oh well, you know, Gawley hasn't been in the, in the job long, and and you know, given the benefit of the doubt." Um, Chris Hall, on the other hand, would have gone on for about two hours about um, how much he was annoyed at the um, West Brom ownership and, and upper management mm. uh, back in October. Since then, you know, you've got a good manager in place. The big criticism, I gather, is one that will be familiar to Reading fans listening. It's the lack of communication from the hierarchy, because I was reading your latest piece on The Athletic, and one of the promises Gourlay seems to have made that he's not quite come good on yet is that like regular no nonsense clear communication with the baggies fan base and do you just want to maybe elaborate a little on that Ellis because for all of the good stuff happening on the pitch there's still work to be done off it isn't there yeah it's a bit of a shame honestly because that was one of his big lines when he he became chief executive so he had a consulting role in the um, the months prior to him taking this chief executive uh, role and so that was something he identified the fact that the club and the fan base were kind of disconnected. And that was something that he really wanted to repair, or at least he said he wanted to repair at the start. And he, you know, talked a really good game about it. And he did the first, for the first few months, it was great from, from what I'm told. I was, I was covering Derby at that time, but you know, the, that line, that link between the comms team, Gourlay, journalists, fans seemed like it was really building and it was developing strongly. Um, But I mean, you know, when you, when you have, and then, and then even going into the summer when he recruited John Swift and then recruited Jed Wallace, you know, he, Gourlay was, was someone that you could see around the place and, you know, you could have a quick chat with and, you know, the communications team were giving you information sort of thing. And, you know, you were hearing lots from that perspective. But of course, you know, when Albion won one of their first 13 games, um, Steve Bruce's position became untenable. Um, and that was, you know, that was his man, essentially. That was someone he appointed 
someone that you put a lot of trust in, you know, the lines started to, you know, <laughs> perhaps weren't as strong as they were before, mm-hmm. which is understandable to some degree. I mean, when, when you're in that kind of period, the last thing you want to do is kind of say, look, I've got this wrong sort of thing, you know, apologise to everyone. But at the same time, with Albion's position at the moment, upstairs with, with the boardroom and, you know, loans being taken about taken out by the controlling shareholder, perhaps another loan from um, MSD as well, which is going to come out in the new year, it seems. Hmm. Um, it, this is the kind of time when the, the fan base really need to hear from someone at the top of the club especially after he's promised it. I mean, yeah. you know, if, if he's a chief executive that is anonymous, nobody wants that, but at least he's got a track record of doing that. I mean, mm. if you say that you're going to do something, then you should probably do it no matter whether it's going well or going badly, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, on the Corbrand appointment, he got it perfectly right. I mean, there was a lot of criticism about the time that it took to find the appointment for Bruce. Um, and you can understand it. it took a few weeks. Albion didn't perform particularly well over, the, over that time. Um, but he really wanted to get the appointment right. And under Corbrand, six wins in eight, it seems like he's done that. And like complete props to him. The the summer recruitment, as I've said, Swift, he got that tied up really quickly. Wallace, who has been excellent. Akai, who has been great, as I've said. There so many good signings in that period. Thomas Asante, you might have saw, seen that he scored that unbelievable chip goal on the on the weekend and yeah, it's yeah, you know that's goal. four really really smart signings and yeah. a lot of it was to do with him in fairness so you know come on tell us about it and you know celebrate your wins but also kind of explain mm. these things to supporters who are concerned about their club and you know, offer you know assurances or you know speak honestly and candidly about the situation i think that's yeah. all they're asking for really um but yeah, he's, I mean, in terms of what he's done in terms of kind of appointing Corbran in, in the summer transfer window, I think he's done really well, to be mm. honest. Yeah, it's, it, it's like you say, it's, you know, fans want to hear more about when stuff's going badly than when it's going right. Do you know mm. what I mean? And, and a lot of the time that can go a long way to just not like placating people and, you know, putting them at ease, but just like having that added understanding and it's mm. about pushing in the right, in the same direction, isn't it? And you know, when everyone's singing from the same song sheet, it all feels so much smoother and easier. And it's it's strange, you know, that it's, like you say, it is a shame because, you know, with your form being as good as it is, I mean, it, it could all be wonderful were it not for, you know, the communication thing, which, you know, Reading fans have also had to um, put up with in the past, you know, as with Gorlo's CEO. So, yeah, may, maybe a little bit of room for improvement there. But in terms of what you're saying about the loans being taken out and what's due and um, on the financial side of things, is that impacting transfer plans for January, Elliot? Because, you know, is there money to be spent? And if so, you know, where are you looking to improve? Yeah, so, yeah, there's from from kind of what I gather, there's very little money to be spent. And if Albion are to recruit, it will be in the loan market. But under the very kind of tight constraints of, you know, this player has to be someone to come in and improve the team immediately. We're not signing any more squad players. I mean, you've, you've probably done it, but just look down the, the list of players that Albion yeah. have and you see all these players that have played in the Premier League, you've played internationally. The problem of quality isn't really a massive one, really, in, in terms of Albion. So one of two areas where you think might be able to improve, one of them being right back, perhaps, and the fact that they don't have a proper deputy for Furlong. And Furlong can be sometimes quite quite on and off um sometimes but you know that comes with not having any competition essentially mm. so if they can find someone there to provide some competition i think that would be 
optimal. But in terms of activity coming in, um, I, I don't imagine there'll be much. But then again, I mean, if you look at what Corbran has done with this team, you look at all this squad available. I mean, just just in the game against Bristol City the other day, they brought Grady Dean Garner off the bench, who cost twelve million a couple of seasons ago. Carlin Grant off the bench, Daryl DK, uh, no Thomas Asante rather, who scored that goal. Uh, just you know, the list of players that you go through. Uh, Tom Rogic came off the bench as well. It's just you know an embarrassment of riches really yeah. at the championship level. Um, so in terms of bolstering the squad, there isn't that much really that needs to be done. Um, mm. I think an area that would have probably been looked at was the goalkeeping department. Um, I mean, Button started the season and wasn't particularly impressive. Um, and, but Palmer's come in now and he's been playing excellently. He's made a couple of really important stops in the past couple of weeks. Um, so I think that's kind of addressed that in-house. Um, so I've been in a strong position on the field at the moment, I really feel. Yeah, I, th- I think Chris Hall nearly had an aneurysm while talking about um, Button on the podcast uh, <laughs> last time. I think at, at, as we speak, uh, from your uh, 25 men listed on Who Scored, um, David Button's currently sat on a very impressive um, 5.99 average yeah. from 11 appearances, which is bad. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like you say, it, it's the emphasis for Albion, I suppose, is it's getting the most out of the impressive squad that you've already got, you know, and, and Corbrand seems to be doing that. So when it comes to predicting the score in that West Brom v Reading game, uh, first of the season, uh, first of the new year, 2023, I mean, you want to be kicking off on the right now. What are you thinking as far as the scoreline? Because I think it's going to be really tough for Reading. I really do. I mean, I, I predicted that we were going to beat you when we lost you in, in October. So I'm going to, I'm going to wait to see what you say before I, I weigh in. But what are you thinking, Elias, as far as the scoreline? Yeah, I think that would have been a sensible bet back in October. I would have predicted that that Albion would have lost that game as well. Um, but, you know, given given the form that they're on at the moment, playing at home, uh, the kind of belief that he's kind of put into all of these plays, the way that they're playing, I mean, I really can't see anything outside of an Albion winning whoever they play at the moment. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're playing Preston tonight, of course, and, you know, maybe maybe Albion get whooped and I'm, I'm feeling far more pessimistic about their... Uh, chances against Reading but 2-0 two, yeah. is that is that is that out of order I mean, that's fine no yeah. you're allowed you're allowed to come on and say to, if, you, <laughs> if, you, if you'd come on the podcast and said you're going to beat his 5-0 then I might have like, yeah. cut you off but that's fine that's all right I'm, <laughs> I'm probably leaning towards the same I mean Reading have got I think second best home record in the league behind Burnley and then second worst away record in the league behind Huddersfield. So we really are like a Jekyll and Hyde team when it comes to home v away. So, yeah, I mean, if we can get anything against you guys in the Midlands, I mean, it will be the perfect way to start the year. But, um, yeah, we, we can we can just live and hope. But um, all that's left to do then, Elias, is thank you so much for being so generous with your time and coming on to preview that West Brom game. Um, it, and good luck for the game tonight against Preston. Um, purely selfishly, I hope you get hammered, but I don't think it's going to happen. So, uh, but yeah, thanks so much for coming on and uh, happy new year. No, of course. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Jacob. It's been great. Uh, happy new year and to all the listeners as well. Yeah. And um, to all of you guys listening at home, uh, thank you for joining us for another Elm Park Rules preview podcast. It's been a bit of a long one. We've talked Norwich, we've talked West Brom. Uh, you're probably sick to death of talking about any team that isn't Reading, but. Um, thank you so much for bearing with us. Uh, enjoy the new year and uh, tune in for the next one. Up the ding. <laughs>